We're going to um, read the Word, and so it'll be up on the screen, but if you have your um, um, phones or whatever you would like to read the Word on, we're going to read from Colossians. We're going to read uh, Colossians chapter 1, 9 to 14. And where, um, where Paul is, is encouraging or speaking to the Colossians, reminding them um, of who they are in the, in the place that they are and the place that they are and in the challenges that they, they're living with, the context that they're in. And so Paul says from verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So far, the reading and um, some of those, some of those, uh, the language that Paul uses, and particularly in this version, is is really wonderful. I love that picture that you know the redemption that 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 Glenn was talking about last week. That that good news of the gospel that we've been transferred from from one kingdom to another. And um, I'll talk about that a little bit later because I think that that's a, an amazing truth. So for these, just these two weeks, and particularly with this sense of, of Christmas coming, um, and if, you've, if, you've, if you drove past the school or, or if you've been on Stud Road, you would have seen the boards advertising um, our carols coming up on the 17th. Anyone seen the boards yet? Yep. Anyone know what the theme is that we, we've, we've got this year, the, the, the catchphrase, the word that we have for our carols? wonder a few people know so by next week if i was to ask that actually i won't ask you next week but if i was to ask you it'd be wonder and so we thought it would be really good just to talk about that for a couple of weeks what is that wonder and you know and glenn shared with us last week of the wonder of the good news the wonder of the gospel and the wonder that is in us the 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 amazing truth of what the gospel has done in us the gospel for me and the awe of what the gospel is, the good news of salvation, that no longer do I, do I need to struggle with, with the burden of guilt or with the, with the burden of sin. No longer do I need to come under the lies of the enemy and <clears throat> who would want to convince me that, that I'm not worthy, but the gospel is good news and that I am because of all that Jesus did. And, and that is wonder. And that's what Glenn talked about last week. You know, the death and, and the resurrection of... I was reading something this week and it, it said this, the death and the resurrection of Christ is God's nuclear attack on the enemy. And with that, he demolished the enemy's hope of victory over us forever. And he, he destroyed the enemy's death grip on the world. He totally pounded the enemy and he will never rise up again. How cool is that? That's language for those people that play those games where you try to pound people and, and ruin things and that sort of stuff. Good imagery, isn't it? But it's, that's what the cross did. That's what Jesus did. Totally demolished the enemy. Totally demolished any hope of him ever rising up again. And in doing that, he made a way of escape for, for every single one of us. Every one of us who were under Satan's rule. The gospel 
is the power of God for salvation. We know that the word says that his victory is final, it's decisive, it's irreversible and it's eternal. And, you know, it was amazing to be able to hear that last week and to be able to share in that last week, not just to hear someone saying that, but to recognize that that is us. And if that didn't excite you, we need to do some more work. Was anyone ex- Who was here last week? You know, yeah, and who was excited by the message? Who was encouraged by the message? Definitely. If that doesn't encourage you, That's the wonder of the gospel for you and I today. And now, because of the gospel, we belong to the family of God. We are his children. What Jesus did at Calvary was enough. And we as a community or or as a family or whatever kind of word we want to use, we're called and encouraged to remember that. Last week we talked about it and we remembered it. To remind each other and to celebrate that with each other. And actually we do that every week. We, We get together and celebrate that. But once a month we do that also by celebrating the Lord's Supper. You might have seen the elements here and you thought, oh, we've got Lord's Supper today. You know, and, and without you know, laboring the point, that is the point of the Lord's Supper, that we remember, that we celebrate that total obliteration of the enemy and that sense of freedom that we have in Jesus. Jesus commanded his disciples to to gather around the elements and to remember and believe that his body was broken so that the enemy's hold over us through sin would be completely obliterated. That his blood was shed to wash away any sign of the enemy's influence, any fingerprints of the enemy, any sign that the enemy had ever had a hold of us. His blood flowed so that would be completely washed away. The traces of sin are gone. And that's what you celebrate. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate Lord's Supper. Yeah, we come up and we get the thing and we... uh, That's what it is. You're affirming and you're remembering what Glenn was talking about. What you said encouraged you. You're you're saying, yes, that was for me. And so I'm not going to go any further in this message. Today we're actually going to be talking about... uh, We're going to be focusing on what the gospel does through us. But before we do that, I want us to stop and remember and believe. And we're going to celebrate Lord's Supper together now. And um, I want you to have in your mind some of the words that, that Glenn used last week, some of, the, some of the amazing truths, that awe and that wonder and that freedom and that release and that complete. I want you to think of that as we gather and celebrate Lord's Supper together. Deal? That's great. You know, it, it's interesting. I was thinking this week that the Last Supper was actually a celebration of the Passover, wasn't it? When Jesus got together with his disciples, it was, it was he'd asked the disciples to go ahead and, and find a room because they had to celebrate Passover. And we know what Passover was, wasn't it? The, God's people were, were commanded to gather as a family to celebrate Passover. Passover was when they remembered that another wonder that God had done, another freedom that God had brought in releasing them from Egypt and bring them into the promised land. The Passover was, the rem- the, was when they were supposed to remember and celebrate when that night when they, when they put the blood on the doorpost and the angel of death passed them over and, and God brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. That was Passover, that they were together and remember another wonder that God had done to bring freedom to his people. They experienced the wonder of new life in a a very real way when they were released from Egypt, weren't they? Didn't they? And God had commanded them to remember it. You know, they'd all gather and they'd get together and remember it. 
The idea was that families and communities and, and nations and, and cultures that all belonged, that who belonged to God would gather and remember and celebrate. And the whole family was in on the celebration. Isn't it interesting that Jesus chose this feast with the disciples or this celebration to foreshadow a new wonder that he was about to achieve for his people? Because this was the Last Supper just before he was about to be betrayed, before he was about to go to the cross. Isn't it interesting that he took the celebration of one wonder to foreshadow the new wonder that we were going to be celebrated? It was going to happen and that he, we would be commanded, he talked to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And we, the redeemed, are called as communities, as families, to gather, to remember, and to celebrate the wonder of new life, the wonder of salvation, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus did. He, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then as they were sitting and he took the cup and he, and he poured the cup and he said, this is the cup of the covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And he was foreshadowing this, this new wonder that was going to happen, that, that new freedom that was going to come for his people. Whenever you eat this bread, whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. When I was a kid, I used to wonder what that meant. Why would you say that you proclaim the Lord's death? That sounds kind of morbid, doesn't it? But that's not what it means. The language is that you, you, you tell your heart about Jesus' death was for you, that you proclaim it, that you proclaim the good news, the gospel, the wonder of the gospel. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, if you can say yes to, to what we were talking about last week and what we're talking about this morning, the wonder of the gospel, that freedom and salvation for you, then we invite you to join us this morning. I'm going to get some of our leaders to come up here and, and take the elements. Um, and then we will, as usual, we'll split we'll, on both sides. We'll, uh, you can come forward and, and grab the elements and then sit back down and then we'll eat them together. So I can get the leaders to come on up. God, we thank you for the wonder of the good news. We thank you for the awe of our salvation. We thank you that when we remember that, Lord, we celebrate. We remember that for ourselves and we celebrate inside ourselves, but we celebrate together as a community and celebrate that for and with each other. That your body was broken for the forgiveness of our sins, that your blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, and that it's eternal, that it's irreversible. We praise you and thank you for that. And we just recognize you as our king, the king of kings, as we go on in Jesus' name. Amen. So if the good news of the gospel, if that wonder of the gospel is what brings us to the table, you know, the salvation, redemption, if that's what brings us to the table and we sit and metaphorically we, we enjoy that sense of supper. What happens when we leave the table? What happens with that gospel wonder when, when we leave the table? The gospel wonder brings us to the table. And that's awesome. But what happens when we leave the table? What does wonder do? 
Or what role does it play when we walk away from the table, into our life, into our world? What happens to wonder? The gospel changes us, doesn't it? And Glenn talked about that last week. We're changed by the gospel. And it says in Corinthians that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We're not the same as we were before. And our text, Paul kind of talks about that and he, he reminds and he encourages the Colossian church. And he says, you know, in verses 9, 10 and 13 and 14, he says, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that you can, so that you can understand, so we pray that you would understand what, what God has done and that you have spiritual wisdom so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And in those verses where He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and He's transferred us to the kingdom, His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, the wonder of the gospel, salvation brought us to Jesus and to the table. And as we head out and as we're in the world like the Colossians were, there's been a transfer of realms from the kingdom of darkness where we serve to the kingdom of light and we've kind of been reassigned, if you like, you and I. We've been given a new mission. You've been given a change of mission and we're governed now by a new system, a new culture. There are new values and, and new ways to do things new outcomes, new things that we're, we're trying to achieve or that, that God would have us achieve. Glenn talked about it a little bit last, last, um, last week where the, the good news or the gospel was, was more than just a Christian term. It was a, a Roman term where, you know, in some faraway land, they would send out the army to, to conquer a faraway land, but they would go further. Then They would not just conquer and obliterate the, the people there, they would then spend time changing the way that they thought. And, and those of us that have been in other cultures, you know what it's like when you go into another culture. They think differently. There are different imperatives. There are different things that drive them. And, and we all know the, the, the warm culture, the Asian-African culture, where you know, they have the time and we have the watches. They say, you know, we have the, you know, we're driven by time. Cultures are different. And what the old Roman times was, the, the Roman ruler would say, you go there and he would establish a government there and he would change their thinking, change their, their celebrations or their cultural, and they would totally, and once they had ingrained their own culture, they'd send back the good news, the gospel. This now is Roman because they think like us, they act like us, they have the same values as us, they do the same feasts and celebrations as us. They are now Roman and that's the gospel of God where we think now like kingdom people. We have the same celebrations like kingdom people. We've been reassigned. We've come out of that, the enemy's territory into the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What does it change? Does it, does it change us inside or does it, yes it does, but does it only change us inside? Does it change our response to the world? Well, the answer to that should be yes, shouldn't it? The work of the cross isn't, only just the basis for our salvation, it's now the pattern of our discipleship. It calls us to sacrificial service. We serve a new ruler. There are new plans and there are new values. You see, we don't just have the gospel. We now are 
the gospel. There's a difference. That's a leap. We don't just have the gospel so that we can sit and sing Kumbaya in our holy huddles. We now are the gospel, aren't we? We understand that's what the Bible calls us. We're not just recipients of wonder. We're now agents of wonder. We don't just receive it. We now are the bringers of it. So the question is, if you were to follow the Lord, your new king, your new ruler, as a good follower, what would that look like in your current situation? Think about your life, your day. Think about that wonder that, you, that we talked about last week that was so amazing that we just celebrated Think about if you didn't just have that, but now that you were, you were it and you are an agent for it, what would that look like in your current situation? What would it look like for us and our church to, to wage war against oppression, drugs, injustice, loneliness, spiritual darkness in people's lives, in, in our cultures, in our societies, in school, at, at work, in our, in our families, in our streets and communities, the church, you and I, we're the hermeneutic. I read this this week, so I'm going to explain what that is. We are the hermeneutic for the gospel. A hermeneutic is a grid for interpreting. We are the grid that the world interprets what the gospel is. We are to the world the interpretation of what the gospel is. So the world sees through us how to rightly interpret God, who he is, his character, his ways, that wonder. That's how they interpret wonder. So what does and, and should the gospel do through us? We've said that it changes everything and it becomes a lens through which we look at life and its challenges. And Glenn talked about that last week, that we see ourselves and we see our life now through the lens of the good news and through that filter of good news that we're redeemed people, that, that we have strength, that we have power, we... That changed that. We've, we've said that, and, and Glenn alluded to that last week, that the Holy Spirit now indwells us and he empowers us to receive the gospel. You know, that's the wonder of the gospel in me, isn't it? That Jesus said to the disciples, look, I'm going to come and live in you. I'm going to be with you all the time. And the Holy Spirit also empowers the spread and impact of that good news. So how does that work? What is that wonder and what is the are the wonders that the gospel does through us. I think if it's true that, that what God did for us was meant to influence the whole world, not just us, then what happens? Well, it impacts our culture. It transforms our culture. It should transform our culture. Because the gospel has transformed our beliefs about who we are and who, who we are in Christ and, and God's God's plan for the world, because it transformed our values and behaviours, we would now, should now, live counter-culturally in a couple of ways. In the first way, we would, we're, we're there to stand and discern and exercise discernment over our culture. Look at our culture, look at what's happening in our culture and exercise our discernment by living individually and corporately as radical followers, radical examples of this new kingdom. That we don't just look like our own society, that we actually live as examples, kind of like signposts or, or I was thinking public billboards that you see on the highways now, these big... We would be the countercultural billboards... And the second way is the gospel compels us to impact lives 
and communities with the transforming power of God's truth. How do you do that? Well, Jesus talked about that in Matthew 5, didn't he? You know, the Beatitudes, we all know what the Beatitudes are. You know, blessed are the meek. Blessed are you that are persecuted. Bless, yeah. And that was countercultural to his listeners that that's, in, in, that's changing your culture. That's living differently. That's living with that new right side up kingdom. So, what does the wonder of the gospel do through me and through us as a community? It changes our culture. It changes individuals and brings them together in true community. It changes each one of us. And as we're changed, we come together, we find fellowship, we, we gather as a family like we do here. Our thinking and our conduct is now shaped in a way that produces Christ-like love, holiness, putting kingdom values into practice, and, and other people see that. We become deeply involved in authentic and life-changing relationships with others. You see, God's design was for humans to be involved in community, not alone, not isolated. And that happens as we gather as a church community. This is where the gospel works through us and for us into a community of believers. Now, this is a place where, where the Lord is worshipped, his, his word is studied, His people are loved, His generosity is expressed and His gospel is preached and then spread. So it gathers, it creates community. And as that community gathers that's the next point the gospel transforms communities through serving others and you see that beautifully don't you you see how how as we gather as a church community as we learn to to love each other that you know it changes and brings us together in community it talks about you know worshiping together and and his word and it talks about loving each other in authentic relationships but that's why I love this next point because it's got to go somewhere from there. And those authentic relationships, that community begins to serve others. Being missional begins with a conviction that we're invited by God through the gospel to join the mission of God. The church doesn't exist for itself, but, but rather to glorify God and to reach out to the world around us. And I love that picture because I, I love reflecting on what we do as one hope. That as we worship together as a community, as we, we love each other, and, and even as Joel, uh, the example that Joel said is we pray for each other and we carry each other. We have authentic relationships, but that we're challenged to bring that out and, and we bring that out into to mainly music, into uh, Cap Money or Cavell Kitchen or reaching out to our neighbours. And this goes way beyond converting people. It's learning and practising a powerful togetherness while serving and welcoming. We go out there and welcome even into our communities, families, singles, the poor, single parents, disabled, elderly people, people that are disillusioned with life, immigrants, strangers. The Bible talks about all of those sorts of people and there, that's what the gospel wonder does. It draws us as a community together that drives us out. And these people are not simply projects, but they're human beings who bear the image of God. Someone once said, if Jesus pitched his tent among us, then we too must pitch our tent among the people. We are to live as missional people and not as self-centered consumers of the gift of grace and salvation. I'm not talking about consumers of stuff here. He's talking about 
consuming that grace, consuming that wonder and being self-centered about it. We're called to live as missional people, bringing that out. The gospel is to be proclaimed joyously. The gospel isn't just for us and it's not even for those around us only. God wants us and he commands us to share it with people across cultures, across geographical boundaries. And we prayed for our, our schoolies group. They're going to three different nations today. We pray often for the work in Rwanda. We pray for Luke and Agnes in Uganda. We pray when things happen in, in nations, when, when we see a breakdown of God's, of God's work in different nations, when we see the oppression of Christians, etc. We're commanded to share that good news, that wonder with people across cultural and geographical boundaries. And sometimes that's in prayer and sometimes that's via cash and sometimes it's actually going and making a difference. God said that through Abraham, didn't he? He said that all nations and people of earth would receive a blessing. And that was a command to Abraham and his descendants to be a blessing. That was in that same verse, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And Jesus made that even clearer to us, didn't he, in the, the Great Commission. And I've often said before, you know, sometimes we treat it as the great suggestion instead of the great commission. But it was actually a commission, wasn't it? Go and make disciples of all nations. Don't stop. You know, and finally, and this is not all the gospel does, but there's a, it, it actually shapes our ministry priorities and our practices. It shapes the way that we do the things that we do. It should shape the, the way that we do the things that we do, how we do stuff. Because we now incarnate the gospel, don't we? We, we embody it. We are it. I talked about we, we, we are the gospel. We give it hands and feet, which means that we move out of our safe places to be the gospel in our neighborhoods. You know, we often talk about neighbours and, you know, I could probably, seriously, and I, I count myself in this, I could probably count on less than one hand how many of us, or how many stories I hear from our church community of people that actually connect with their neighbours. And I read something in the paper a couple of weeks ago that said that less than 15% of people nowadays in the city of Melbourne actually talk to the neighbours. Less than 40% of them even know the names of their neighbours. Anyone feeling convicted? I do sometimes. You know, I get up here and I preach about the wonder of the gospel. And I tell you all how amazing it is and how the world needs to know it. And I go to Uganda and spread it and I, 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 I go to other places and we go to Cavell. I'm not sure my neighbours even know about it. I'm not saying that you need to all, you know... Glenn would say we need to have dinner with our neighbours and lunch with our neighbours and we've challenged us, us to do that. Wouldn't it be a good start to say g'day? <laughs> hey, what's your name? Where do you work? What do you do? I'm here. I live in number three here. If you ever get stuck, we've got a single uh, young woman that's in the unit right in the front and, and we're number three and I hadn't talked to her for a year and she's had a breakup of marriage in between and all sorts of stuff's been going on in life. We met because we both were at the nature strip bringing our bins in at the same time. Awkward. So I talked to her. She told me the whole story. She just told me everything, what was going on. I said, you know that any time something goes wrong in your house or any time, you just knock on the door. I'll come and help. It can be as simple as that. 
We move out of our safe places to be the gospel in our neighbourhoods, as well as being part of or helping others participate. We look for ways that God's already working and then join him. We love people as people and not as projects. We don't divide life into sacred and secular. The church Andrew and the work Andrew, the, the home Andrew and the Christian Andrew, so that we actually get to be the gospel in all the settings that we live in. That's what it means to incarnate the gospel, to actually embody it, to be it. It's got to change that practice. Another practice, we display the gospel. We demonstrate the truth through our actions as well as our words. We get involved in justice, in compassion and mercy. We see all of life as worship. That is a great reformed understanding, isn't it? That all of life is worship. We see all of life as worship. So we exercise stewardship, discipleship and faith in every setting that we are. Home, school, work, business and family. Think about your life again. I, I said, you know, think... Think about your work life or the business that you're in or the family settings or the family meetings that you might get into or the the kids that you meet at school or at uni. What would it mean to exercise stewardship and discipleship in faith, like really exercise it in each of those settings? What would it mean if you were to be the gospel, good news, in each one of those settings? We view all creation as God's and we make an effort to care for it. That's another way. We display the gospel the way we care for the environment, the way we care for people. And we proclaim the gospel. We happily invite people into our churches. As much as we want to become the church beyond the walls of the building, we also want to happily invite people in. We make an effort to communicate the gospel in ways, using images, language, different um, cognitive experiences that fit our context without sacrificing essential truth. We make the gospel available to people. We join with God's work in multiplying disciples, leaders, missionaries, so that people everywhere will hear the good news and share in the wonder. We don't only pray for and resource people that are serving ourselves only. We're so good at that. We're so good at putting money into something where we see a return. We're taught that. But we give ourselves to multiplying disciples, leaders and missionaries everywhere. And giving ourselves means giving ourselves. The wonder that the gospel is, is fantastic news for me. But the amazing wonder is that the good news is not just for me. It's to be through me. Jesus said to the disciples that he would come and, and dwell in them. And, and this is true for us as well, isn't it? That, that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have Jesus in us. That means we now embody good news of Christ. Jesus said to the disciples, I, I, will, I want to come and live in you. I want to indwell you. I'll, I'll. He wanted to live in them to empower them for something. They were, we're the result of that. They were going to head into all nations. They were going to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. They were going to establish churches and, and they were going to need power for that. And Jesus said, well, that, I'm, going to, I'm going to indwell you for that. And that's true for us too. Good news was resident in them for the work that they would do. 
would do. And guys, they had no idea of what they were going to do. That's a wonder. Gospel wonder in our lives is in more ways than just one, isn't it? So, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the same as last week. This isn't the emotional, warm wonder of last week, which is really important. That amazing, comforting truth of the gospel and the wonder that it is for us. Absolute miracle, gift. And it gives us confidence, security, comfort and safety. Really important. And we, I don't know if you left last week saying, wow, but I know it was a great message. But maybe the wonder buzz isn't just to stay with you and I. Maybe not just to bring us to the table, but determine what we do when we leave the table. Maybe the person at Cavell, the lonely person at work, the confused and troubled teenager, the broken and abused woman that we might meet, the homeless person, the oppressed and the used children in other cultures, the hungry and the helpless, maybe the wonder of the Gospels for them too. And you know what? When we see the Gospel at work through us as well as in us, well, maybe that's part of the wonder for us as well. Perhaps that in itself too is the wonder of the gospel. What would it look like? As we think about Jesus, the wonder of the birth of the Messiah, 400 years, silence, and the Messiah came. Can you imagine the anticipation? Can you imagine the excitement? It was all going to end for them. It was going to be fantastic. This new king, he was just going to come in and, and they, were going to be, they were going to be top people and the Romans were going to be, you know, can you imagine the excitement? And then when the baby's born, the wonder and the, and the, the, the wise men and, and, the, and the shepherds and, and, and they just, they knew it, the wonder. This is Amazing. What would it be like if they just kept the wonder in? What would it be like if the disciples finally figured out Jesus? I don't think they ever did, but finally figured out Jesus and thought, that's amazing. Jesus said, I'm, he, we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. Don't say anything. Imagine if they kept the wonder in. Imagine if, if they didn't exercise the power that Jesus had given them and they, they went, and they didn't go away from that table with Jesus. They didn't go away from the cross and bring that wonder to the world. Imagine where we'd be. That's the wonder of the gospel. It's the power of salvation for all people. It's the hope that we have in us and that we have to bring to a broken world. We get to do that right here in Knoxfield, Scoresby. You get to do that right wherever you live. You get to say, hi, what's your name? If you ever need help, need a cup of sugar, you know where I am, number such and such. Your lawnmower won't start. Get a new one. I'm not good with lawnmowers. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be 
you know, get him in the door and figure out how you can take him through the four Gospels before they have dessert. That's how it feels like. It's not about that, is it? Gospel is bringing hope. And sometimes hope is just having someone listen to you. Sometimes hope is just knowing that someone's around and cares that you've gone through a crappy year or a bad situation. Maybe that's hope. Maybe that's the wonder of the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the wonder of the gospel that lives in us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for new life. Thank you for a fresh shot at this every day. That salvation is every day. That I get to reflect and realize that perhaps I didn't live or embody the gospel yesterday, but today I get to do that. Lord, thank you that you've placed us here as a church community. Thank you that you've given us the people that are sitting in this room with us, that are sitting next to us and around us, that you've given us an opportunity to have authentic community and relationships with them. And thank you that you've called us to the community around us and the world that we live in and the culture that we live in. And thank you that the power of the gospel is more than just enough for salvation. The power of the gospel is to change the world. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and help us understand how we can step into that as a community, as individuals, whatever that looks like. That that transforming work of the gospel, that we would begin to practice that wherever we find ourselves. That we wouldn't be beacons of hope, that we wouldn't just talk about hope, that we would be it. And joy and peace and all of those things that we talk about at this time of year. Let us be it, Lord, and yeah, fill us anew with your spirit as we attempt, as we figure out what that looks like for each one of us. And we pray that we would know you in a greater measure every time we step out. We would feel you and, and recognize you in a greater measure in our lives every time. In Jesus' name, amen.